Luke chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible with you, we'll have the scripture on the screen above you. I want to say thanks for coming today. In a few minutes, we'll share our picnic together. We have left uh, several pieces of information inside your uh, chair there you can look at. This is a life group's guide. Uh, if you look around, there should be one close to you. Uh, this has a, um, it's a guide of all the life groups, uh, the small groups that are starting uh, actually today or this week. We have life groups that meet seven days a week at Kingwood. And so uh, if you'd like to be involved in one of those, we'll give you a little more information about that as the morning goes on. And you can meet our life group leaders today. Uh, also sitting there is this little uh, sheet that will give you information about lunch today. Uh, so everything on there that you need to know about what, what is available and where can you get it and all of that is on, is on that sheet. If you're a guest today, you're new to Kingwood, uh, we want to feed you. So lunch will be on us. All you have to do is take your response card to either the All-American or Mexican Food Zone and uh, we'd like to pay for your lunch and just say thanks for coming so you can do that. Uh, one of the things that you have in your hands there is um, this card that says you're ready to make a move. Uh, if you've got that, would you just, would you just pick it up and, and uh, look at it there with me for a minute? As you, as you see it, there's some options on the front that you can check today, and in the back is a map of the campus so you can see where to go when service is over and what to do. Uh, and I want to just take a few minutes and tell you what that's about. That's a, really what the day's about. It's an important part of everything we're doing today. Uh, when my wife and I pastored in Mississippi, there was a man in our church named Red. And Red was a, um, is a fascinating man. He's a World War II veteran. Uh, he, he, he has the best posture of any man I've ever met. You know, he's, uh, in his 80s, his posture was better than mine has been my whole life. I mean, he would stand up next to a wall and the wall would bend. He, would just, he was a, a you know, straight, tall, uh, standing man interesting man. Uh, he was filled with integrity and honor as his posture would communicate. He still lives today in a house that his uh, dad built nearly 80 to 100 years ago across from an old bread factory. Red has a sharp mind uh, and he spends a lot of time putting giant puzzles up in his attic as you walk up the stairwell. You'll see these giant puzzles that he put together, intricate puzzles the kind that I would just wipe off the table and throw away. I'd get tired of messing with it. He would repair radios. And he has an old brick barbecue pit in his backyard that's about 40 years old. And I've been over to his house several times for cookouts. His claim to fame is he once held, hosted a cookout barbecue at his house for the Miami Dolphin football team right there in Gulfport, Mississippi, right in his backyard. When I met Red, he was a uh, custodian at our church that we served at. And a couple years before we moved here, uh, I found out that he was a good checker player. So I asked him, I said, hey, uh, maybe once you could show me a couple things about how to play checkers. And so one day he walks in my office and he has this little board. He goes, you got a few minutes? And I th he, he looked troubled. I thought something was wrong. And I said, sure. And he came in and slung this checkerboard out on the table and he said, I want to show you a couple things. All right. So we sat down and I don't know, once every week or so, we'd spend 10 or 15 minutes and play a game of checkers together, and he would teach me, you know, kind of how to make some moves on the checkerboard. So uh, because he was sort of stone-faced, stone you know, he wouldn't give away too much like a good magician, 
I would go to make a move and I would put my finger on the checker and I would move it and I wouldn't take it off. And I would look deep into his eyes. And I was looking for anything. Give me an expression. Give me a sigh. Give me a mmm. Give, give, uh, give me something. Help me. Well, this is a World War II veteran. He was stone-faced. I would look deep and he wouldn't move. He'd just look at me. And I would think, please help me. Every now and then, he would say, Are you? he'd just throw me a bone. I think he felt sorry for me. He would say, are you sure you want to make that move? I don't know, am I? What does that mean? Does that mean yes or no? I don't know what that means. And over time, it usually meant that I didn't. And one of the great things he taught me was how to move on the checkerboard. In a very similar way, it's a church's job to help people know how to move toward God. And so we're really here today, and Kingwood Church is here in this community to say, we believe our role in our city is to help people move toward God. And so today we've just given you this as a help. And in a few minutes we'll talk about it a little more, and we've put some moves on there that you can make today to to, to make a move toward Him, to make a move toward God. And maybe that God is inviting you to do that today. And we'll, we'll look at that card again as we go on and as we, as we talk about the moves that God calls us to make as people. And so whether you've been at Kingwood Church 10 years or one year or one day, there's a, there's a move that you can make. When we move toward God, things change in our li- and we grow. When we stop moving, we stop growing. When we stop moving, things stop happening. And so I want to just talk to you about that for a few minutes today. If you have your Bible open to Luke chapter 9, we're going to talk about a story in Scripture that is very uh, similar to what we're doing here today. There was actually a time that uh, Jesus gathered together with a bunch of people and had a picnic sort of like we're doing. And what I wanted to do today is just look at that event in Scripture and see how that picnic happened. Jesus was the host of this picnic. In Luke chapter 9, verse 10, the story is there. When the apostles returned, these are Jesus' followers, his disciples, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Catch that. He healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve, that's the apostles, the disciples, they came to him and said, look, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we're in a remote place here. There's nothing to eat out here. There's not even a McDonald's. So he replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go and buy food for all this crowd About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves, the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Now, if you have something to write on, uh, maybe you want to take your card, or if you have a, you take notes on your iPhone. I want to encourage you to write down a few thoughts this morning about what we see in this picnic that Jesus threw. 
Jesus threw this picnic, but it was a little more spontaneous than the one we're having today. And at least, at least three different ways, Jesus tells this crowd that he's the answer. You know, there's more ways to communicate than by just what you say. There's body language and there's actions. And Jesus communicates in many different ways that he's the answer. The first way that we see in this story is Jesus tells the crowd he was the answer through healing. When the crowds found Jesus, Jesus welcomed them. Remember, we just read this. He taught them about the kingdom of God. And the Bible says he healed everyone who needed healing. Now, this is so subtly placed in the story, it's easy to read over it and think that I'm trying to actually get to what the point of the story is. Except for, think for a minute what this means. Jesus is feeding 5,000 people. And the Bible says he healed everyone who needed healing. I wonder how many were sick. I mean, 5,000 is a lot more people than we have here this morning. How many of you would just say this morning in some way, you need healing in your physical body? I would raise my hand for my two sons who have type 1 diabetes and say, our family needs healing. How many of you would say, I'm not asking you to do anything, but just say, there's sickness in my family, in my body somewhere. Would you lift your hand for a minute? Look around. Oh my goodness, wait, keep them up. Are you kidding me? What is that, a third at least? Can you imagine with 5,000 people gathered when Jesus healed? How long did that take? No wonder it was getting late. He healed everyone who needed healing. Can you imagine? I wonder what the sicknesses were. I wonder what the condition was. Jesus always had a reason for what he did. He was telling them by doing the healing that he's the answer. Now, if you read the story in the book of Mark, Herod, who's like a king or a president or a ruler of the land, he had a party, and if you read this story in the Gospel of Mark, he, had, he puts Herod's party right before Jesus' party. Herod had a picnic, Jesus had a picnic. And I think what he's actually trying to do is he's actually trying to compare the two picnics. Herod throws a party for himself to impress his wealthy friends, the climax of the party is an erotic dance where Herod is so pleased by the seductiveness of the dance, he tells the woman who does the dance, Do, ask anything you want and I'll give it to you. That's how good that dance was. And the, and the woman who manipulated this whole thing said, I want John the Baptist, who was one of Jesus' key disciples, I want him dead. And John the Baptist was beheaded and had his head cut off because of what happened at this party. So I want you to think about it for a minute. Let's get Herod's party straight. It's about impressing. It's about exclusiveness. It's about murder. Jesus throws a picnic and everyone is welcome. He teaches about the kingdom of God and people are healed. Did you catch that? At Herod's party, people are killed. At Jesus' party, people are healed. What a contrast. When we're in charge, things go wrong. When Jesus is in charge, things go right. So... Jesus heals to communicate to this crowd that he's the answer. The answer's not in Herod, it's not in power, it's not in fame, it's not in money. Jesus is the answer. I had a lesson on this a few years ago that, is, um, that sticks in my memory. I was teaching one Sunday about, it was probably seven, seven or eight years ago. We were in a worship service like this, we lived in... Uh, Gulfport at the time, and I was teaching about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
And how sometimes we just need to understand when the gifts of the Holy Spirit work by, by being honest and realizing when they don't work, when they're not there. So you say, look, if, if, if Jesus is working, it happens. If Jesus is not working, it doesn't happen. And so here's what I thought I would do just to help people. I thought, well, I'm teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. I'm going to teach about the gift of healing. And I'm going to find someone in the service that morning that's sick. And I'm going to pray for them. And, and what's going to happen is, is they're not going to be healed. And then I'm going to be able to say to everybody, okay, that's not the gift of the Spirit. And it's okay to say that's not it. It actually moves you a step closer to finding out what the real thing is. So I had this all set up in my mind. There was a guy, I said, is anybody sick? A guy in the back, kind of on this side, raised his hand. I knew him. His name was Randy. So Randy didn't know Randy was sick. Randy, what's going on? My back has been killing me. I could barely get out of the car this morning. I almost didn't even come to church, and I'm sitting here, and I, it's all I can do to sit here. The pain's excruciating. And I said, all right, well, everybody, let's turn toward Randy. Uh, Randy, give me a hand. Let's pray. We're going to pray, and we're going to ask the Lord this morning if he, would, if he would reveal the gift of healing in this place. And so we prayed, and, and we stopped. I said, oh, Randy, I, look, I've known you a long time. Don't, don't feel any pressure to tell anything that's not true. Do you feel any better? And he said, no, I don't feel any better. I said, okay, see, that's, that's not the gift of healing, right? So I said, let's pray again. So I took Randy's hand. I said, let's all pray again. Let's all pray, and let's ask God to heal him. And we prayed, and my next line was, see, Randy's not healed. That's not the gift of the Spirit. The only thing is, I opened my eyes, and I said, how do you feel now? He said, I feel totally better. I thought, well, that's not your line. <laughs> he said, I feel totally better. He said, the pain's gone. My back's better. He got up and started walking around. He left the room and walked out in the forest and stayed out there, and I could see him. The windows and the doors, I could see him going like this, the whole rest of the service, walking back to the windows. I thought, well, Randy. And he came to me, and he said, man, that's incredible. He said, my back is healed. He said, I'm, and to my knowledge, he didn't ever have another problem. Now, look, let me tell you, let me tell you what that story tells us. I'm not the answer. Jesus is the answer. And when Jesus healed those people in that crowd, what he was telling everybody was, is he's not the, the crowd's not the answer. The disciples aren't the answer. The pastor's not the answer. Uh, Self-help is not the answer. Jesus is the answer. Here's the second way Jesus told this crowd that he was the answer. Jesus tells them through healing. Jesus also tells them through providing. Uh, hundreds of years before this event happened, one million Jews had been delivered from slavery and were walking to the promised land through the desert. And as they got stranded out there, they began to get hungry and there wasn't enough food and they began to complain and all of this. And so God fed these people. Now, look, I don't know if you've ever tried to cook for a big crowd. You know, you cook for Thanksgiving, you got 50 people. Today we cook for hundreds of people. You ever tried to cook for a big crowd? I'm going to tell you what it takes to cook for a million people. A miracle. <laughs> Any cooks in the house? It takes a miracle to cook for a million people. Three times a day, three meals a day. And so what, what happened is God miraculously fed these people by dropping bread from heaven. And in the morning, the people would get up, they would gather it, and they would eat it. They, the Bible calls it manna. They would eat it. And it would feed them every day. Every person at Jesus' picnic knew the story of the million Jews who had bread dropped from heaven, and they would be fed miraculously. Every one of them knew the story. 
So when Jesus lifted up the five loaves of bread and he broke them and he prayed for them and that bread multiplied out and out and out and out and out and somehow five loaves stretched to feed 5,000 people with 12 baskets left over, everyone there would have remembered when God fed the Jews in the desert bread from heaven, they would have understood this to mean. Jesus must be God because he did for us today what God did for them back then. He's doing what only God can do, so Jesus must be the answer. When, uh, when we served our congregation in Mississippi, about midway through, Hurricane Katrina struck. And our church was two miles from the coast. And so we became, we had a big, wide, flat parking lot that was sort of centrally located. And in the, in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, which was uh, unbelievable, the destruction zone was the size of Great Britain. And so thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people were displaced and homes battered and all of this. We became a distribution center. We distributed food and goods and shoes and fed hot meals and all kind of stuff. We had uh, people from just about every state in America, from Hawaii, from, other, from Germany, from other countries, that came and lived on our property and served with our work teams to reach out and try to restore the community. And so in that aftermath, our volunteer base, which we didn't you know, ask for, it just happened, our volunteer base swelled to over 200 people. So I think our peak, about 230-something people, were living on our property. Can you imagine? Imagine what we would do if Tuesday morning, 250 people showed up here and said, okay, we've got to feed them three meals a day. I can just tell you, we don't, <laughs> we don't have the food. How would you do that? And so we had people who volunteered from their church to come over and cook. And they would cook whatever we had. We lived out of coolers for a while. Then the power came back on and we'd be able to refrigerate stuff and all of this. So we were trying to feed over 200 people a day. And one day, uh, one of the cooks came to me. I was out in the, you know, the South Mississippi sun, face burning hot. She came running out to me. She said, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. I said, what are you talking about? She said, I want to tell you what happened. I don't know if you know how important carbohydrates are to people who are working in the heat, losing all kind of fluid, and you're trying to feed everybody, so you want all the carbs you can get. So she said, we, we don't have enough food. I need bread. I've got to have some bread to feed these people. And she said, I was just in the kitchen going, Lord, we're running out of food. I think this is the last meal we're going to be able to serve, and dinner is coming, and I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to be able to feed this crowd. And these people are out in the sun. They're working. They volunteer. They come from all over the place. They're doing good work. Lord, please help me. God, I need, to, I need your help. Help me feed these people. Lord, I need bread, and I'm asking you for bread. And she said, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. I said, what do you mean? She said, you'll never guess what happened. Just when I started to cook dinner, somebody knocked on the door and said, hey, a truck just drove up outside and wanted to know if you guys needed any help. Yes, what is it? She said, it's a bread truck. It was a truck filled with bread, and they emptied that truck in our kitchen, and we had bread for weeks. I mean, we were locked and loaded and ready to go. You know what that tells me? Jesus is the answer. Jesus told these people he was the answer through healing, through providing, and let me give you the last one this morning. Jesus tells them he's the answer through delegating. This wouldn't be what you would have thought. 
there's a behind-the-scenes story that the Bible lets us in on. Sort of a conversation that the 5,000 people on the hill didn't know existed. Just between Jesus and his closest followers. Jesus is lifting up the bread. He's praying. He's, he's multiplying. And the, the fish and the bread spreads out and everybody is fed. But there's this behind-the-scenes story that we get to look at that the crowd didn't even know. It's getting late in the day. The disciples say to Jesus, the people are hungry. Let's send them into town. We're way out here and nowhere, and there's nothing to eat. And Jesus says something very unexpected to them. Great, I hear you. You feed them. And I can just imagine like Mo, Larry, and Curly, them bumping into each other, poking each other out and going, what are you talking about? What do you, what do you mean we feed them? The disciples say, we only have five loaves of bread, and we only have two fish. In other words, it's not going to happen. And Jesus sits them down in groups of 50. He prays over the food. He starts handing it out. Everyone starts eating, and there's 12 baskets left over. Now, that raises a question in my mind when I read the Bible. If Jesus was just going to lift the bread up and to pray over it, and to multiply it, and feed everybody in the hillside anyway, why did he put his disciples through that? Why didn't he just say, bring me the bread? Why didn't he just say, bring me the fish? Why didn't he just say, fine, I'll do it? Or why, why didn't he just do that and skip the, why did he say, well, then you feed them? Why didn't he just say, hey, everybody stand back, watch this? Shazam. Why didn't he say, everybody get your iPhone, you're going to want to put this on YouTube later? Why, why did he go through this cycle of doing this? He, he gave them a job they could not do. Why did he do that? Because he wanted even those closest to him, even his own disciples, even though there were only 12 of them, he wanted even them to know that he was the answer. You go feed them, we can't feed them. Aha. But you know who can? Jesus. He gave them the job they could not do to remind them he's the answer. There were 12 baskets left over. Why do you think, coincidentally, there were 12 baskets filled with fish and bread left over after everyone ate and was full? Well, it's one for every disciple. And can you imagine the image that is burned in those disciples' minds as they are walking home that day, carrying a basket full of fish and bread, looking at it and saying, this is more than we started with. I guess Jesus really is the answer. I wonder how many times after Jesus died and left the earth and the disciples carried on his work in his absence, I wonder how many times that little basket of fish and bread came to their mind and said, hey, Jesus supplied then, Jesus is going to supply now. Jesus really is the answer. I wonder this morning, how has Jesus been telling you that he's the answer? In what ways has he been talking to you? What has he been saying to you? What circumstances of your life have been talking to you? Maybe people in your life. Maybe, maybe in the Bible. Maybe you heard something on the radio. How, how has Jesus been telling you he's the answer? He is the answer. And he's saying it. And I wonder how he's been telling that to you. So I'm going to ask our, our worship team to come and just uh, begin to play softly. There's something very interesting to me about this whole account. 
when the, when the crowds learned where Jesus was, I don't know if you remember in the beginning of the story, Jesus and his disciples actually sort of ran away to try to have some time alone, to rest. And the crowds heard where he was, and so they followed him. Let me say it another way. They moved toward him. Now, Jesus didn't initiate this picnic. He didn't say, hey, meet me on the hill, and, and I'll, I'll pray for you if you're sick, and I'll provide food if you don't have enough. Meet me on the hill. He didn't say that. None of this would have happened had they not moved toward him. Think about that for a minute. How many of those 5,000 people were sick and then they were healed? I wonder what they were healed of. Cancer? Leprosy? Maybe there were some with limbs that didn't work. Maybe there were some that couldn't speak. There were some that were blind, some that were deaf. I wonder what they were healed of. But they were healed because they moved toward him. We don't know. But we do know they wouldn't have been healed if they'd have stayed where they were. I wonder how many people, hey, we're going to go out and find, why don't you come with us? No, nah, I'm just going to stay here. I wonder how many sick people stayed behind. And then they came back and they were well. Surely some. Jesus taught about the kingdom of God. What did he tell them? What insight, what truth, what wisdom did they receive? We don't know, but it must have been profound because the Bible says it was getting late in the day. The people that moved toward Jesus saw him take five loaves of, fish, five loaves of bread and two fish and feed 5,000 people with it. They got to see it. How did that happen? Because they moved. All of this happened because somebody made a move toward Jesus. I can remember when I was 15 years old and I can remember Jesus had been talking to me for a while. It's a long story and I won't tell you the whole story, but there were a lot of different ways that my life was coming to a dead end. And in 1986, I came to a point at 2 o'clock in the morning on a Friday night where I, I knelt down in my living room and I made a move to, toward Jesus. I said, Lord, I don't know if you're real. I don't know if you care. I don't know if you can hear me. But I, I just felt this pressure. I felt this pull. I felt this around me. And I said, Lord, I don't know if you're real, if you're there, if you can hear me. But if you can, help me. I want to know, I want to know what my life is about. I want to know what I'm supposed to do. I want to know what I'm supposed to be. I want to know, is this all there is to life, just living and making a paycheck and getting to the end of the week? Is that really what life is about, is survival? Is it about covering the bills? Is it about getting to the end of the week? God, if there's something more and if you're out there, I want to know. And I'm telling you, I made a move toward God that night. And it changed my life. And the next day when I got up, I, I started moving toward him again, moving toward him again. And that was 1986. And my entire life has been different. I don't come from a, I wasn't really raised in a purely Christian home. And I don't come from a, you know, a long line of Christians. And I, 
my mom invested in me and taught me what she could but I, I'm telling you there was a lot of trouble in my life and my background I wasn't the one that anybody would have thought actually in my ninth grade English class every, everybody made a joke 10th grade English class everybody made a joke about hey I can see him being a pastor one day and everybody laughed oh well, they thought it was great oh it was a gut buster when I moved toward God everything changed everything changed and today we're here in this moment and I just want to ask you if you would to take that little card that we provided for you a little response card and if you haven't filled it out yet I want to ask you to take a minute and fill it out it doesn't I'd like everybody to fill it out maybe there's not a move on there you see maybe you want to write one down but it's, it's important. Jesus is the answer. And when you move toward Him, things happen. When you move toward Him, things change. And maybe this morning it's time for you to make a move. Maybe it's time for you to say, there's something in my life that needs to happen. So here's what we put on here. And in just a minute, we're going to pray. One of the boxes is, I prayed today to receive Christ. If you say, look, I hadn't been to church in a long time. But, and I don't even know how my relationship with God is. But I want to pray today, and I want to ask Jesus to come into my life. I want to start a relationship with Him. Or maybe today you say, I want to pick up a relationship. I, I used to walk closer to Him, and I, I'm way out there. I want to ask Him. Take that step. So you can check, I prayed to receive Christ today. Maybe you're here and you say, hey, I've never been to Kingwood or I've been here for a while and it's time for our family to move. It's time for me to move. It's time for me to take that step of faith. We've been working on this stuff for, you know, three or four years. Trying to provide ways that we can help as a church people move toward God. So next Sunday morning at 1030, we have our first step event. First step event is just a great event for people who are new to our church if you want to know more if you want to know how to get involved you want to you want to make that move 10 30 next sunday just check that box we'll follow up with you i'd like to be baptized in water maybe you have a relationship with god but you've never followed christ in in water baptism in a few weeks we're going to have a water baptism service i want to ask you none of these decisions that i'm giving you are are, are physical decisions they're spiritual decisions there's spiritual steps you can take. I want to encounter God by experiencing soap. The third Sunday night of every month, we have soap service here. Maybe you say, help me. Help me know more about that. I want to invest in Kingwood's mission by giving. You know, giving is a, is a, a move toward Christ. Giving isn't an earthly thing. Giving isn't a temporal thing. Giving is a spiritual act. It's an act of faith. And so maybe you say, it's time for our family to take that take that step make that move toward Christ I'm telling you as you do things will change I want to become a member I want to enroll in life streams that's our discipleship uh, ministry I want to volunteer by doing a 30 service maybe God's put gifts in your life and it's time maybe time today for you to move and as you begin to serve Christ your life things will change in your life I want to connect by joining a life group checking out a life group this fall Everything's there. If you look on the back for a minute, we put a map 
of all the things you can do. All the places you can go. I'll give you a little bit more information about that in a minute. But you've got it in front of you. People are making decisions right now. Go ahead and go ahead and check now. You want to pray this morning to re- receive Christ in your life? Check the box now. Just a minute, I'm going to pray with you. This is, this is a very important moment. Decisions are being made. Lives are being changed. People are deciding to move toward Jesus. In the end, I don't know what else a church is, but a place that helps people move toward Jesus. if you'd just stand with me if you're done done filling your card out if you'd stand with me I'm going to ask our prayer team to come this morning if our prayer team you'd meet me here here's what I want to do we're going to give you an opportunity to pray today